uh, a little less than 24 hours that we were together, I mentioned this for a reason. Uh, because during the last 24 hours, I believe the Lord has done much inwardly in many of us, if not all of us. A day, a day matters. A day of opening to the Lord, receiving his dispensing, responding to his shining, experiencing and enjoying his love. And this, in a particular way, was my inward situation also. So what I will present to you is new, it's fresh, it's with a very definite burden from the Lord's Spirit. The subject of the outline is life and building as portrayed in Song of Songs. And maybe in about 20 minutes, I will come to the outline. But I have to begin to release the Lord's burden right now in two ways. <clears throat> we need to be in the Lord's recovery in two ways, simultaneously. But sadly, it is possible for dear saints to be in the Lord's recovery in one of these ways, faithfully, diligently. I'll, I'll explain what I'm talking about. And maybe in the beginning, they were in the second way. But eventually, that just evaporated, it disappeared. The first way of being in the Lord's recovery is the necessary objective truth and standing according to the divine revelation. When the Lord brought me into the Lord's recovery, he brought me to the church in San Francisco first. That was my entrance into the church life in the Lord's recovery. And in those days, <clears throat> brothers shared some ministry material with me that I could learn the truth concerning the ground of the church. One church, one city. So in Acts 14.23, we have elders in every church. In Titus 1.5, elders in every city. Then in Revelation 1, 2, and 3, we have the city and the designation church as one. And then we moved to Los Angeles to spend nearly four years there before migrating. 
So it was the truth in the word and the practicality of the standing on the ground of oneness that set the course for my and our being in the Lord's recovery. We are standing faithfully here, no matter what happens inwardly or outwardly. We are here for the building. The foundation Christ himself has been laid on the ground of oneness. And we live and meet and preach the gospel and serve and care for one another in a human way. All the practical aspects of the church life. To be in this kind of church life is truly to be in the Lord's recovery. But it's mainly outward. We don't, I don't minimize what is outward. My person, just like your person, is inward, involves our regenerated spirit and our soul. But this soul and spirit are in our physical body that we take care of. So in no way would I minimize the outward aspect the practical aspect of meeting in the name of the Lord on the ground of oneness. The other aspect is connected to the point I emphasized in message one, the point on the outline, that the Lord's recovery is actually Christ as the seed of life sown into us and developing within us. This is the inward, and I would say, intrinsic, essential, organic aspect of the Lord's recovery. Just within the last 24 hours, I and another brother had to exercise a request for fellowship and to serve a member of the body in great need. And we were aware of this situation previously. And then it became clear to me as I considered this before the Lord, even during the night and early in the morning. And I realized two persons that are involved in this situation are actively in the church life. One is elderly, the other is middle-aged. And neither one has grown an inch in the last three decades. That's not a judgment. That's a discernment. When a parent raising up his daughters and sons, you're aware 
of how their height increases, how they are growing normally. And it would be shocking if something happened that their growth stopped. And so the situation I'm indirectly referring to brings forward a kind of heart-rending situation. In 1981, Brother Lee had a special training only for Southern California called Perfecting Training. And the basic burden underlying that training was this, this question Brother Lee asked. Does your growth in life match the length of time you have been in the Lord's recovery? And then he set out to minister to us in a way to help us to eliminate the hindrances. What I'm aiming at is this. We need to be even more exercised to be in the Lord's recovery inwardly than we are exercised being in the Lord's recovery outwardly. They're not exclusive. But every day we need to turn our heart to the Lord, open our being to him, to pursue him in love, to be vessels receiving his dispensing. We should be living according to the prayer in Ephesians 3, praying for the empowering of our inner man that Christ may make his home in our heart, praying to be reconstituted with Christ, praying to grow to maturity, So we need these two aspects, hand in hand, all the time. Then we will find there's a kind of cycle. The more we give ourselves to the actual, practical church life, with meetings, praying with companions, serving, taking care of needs among us, proclaiming the gospel. The more we do this, the more we sense the need for the inward reality. The more we need the Lord himself. We need grace. We need wisdom. We need forbearance, all of which are Christ. And we seek him more desperately than ever. And then that issues in a more vital church life, more fellowship, more gospel preaching, more practical service. And now the other matter in this part of the message is on quite a higher level than what I've been sharing. And I would like to introduce it by drawing your attention to Roman numeral 2 on the outline, the subject of Song of Songs 
is loving the Lord, to experience him as life for the building up of his body, the bride. So when we come back to the outline and work our way through sections three and following, we will have this in mind. Loving the Lord. Loving the Lord. To experience him. The more we love him, the more we experience him. But there is a goal for the building up of his body, the bride. That will be the test. That will be the measure. Are you participating in the building up of the body? Now, I would mention what happened in December 1974. In the opening message of the life study training on Romans, Brother Lee gave 30 messages in 10 days. How he did it, three a day, I still don't know how. That was his measure. And he is about to guide us through Romans. But if you look at your copy of the life study of Romans, it begins something like this, that the Bible is a record of a divine romance with God in Christ as the one we love. And we are the object of his love. He will be our husband. We will be his counterpart. Romans is a book rich in basic truths and foundations of experience. But he doesn't just move right into Romans. He opened up this way. I was there, even in the front row, and my brothers and sisters, hearing those words, I recommend that you read them directly. I could only refer to them. Those words changed my Christian life forever, forever. The heart of the Lord's recovery is not this or so doctrine. It's not this or that practice. It is God himself as love. And I deliberately will take more time to read verses from two New Testament books so that we all would have a fresh impression. You'll remember that in message one, toward the very beginning of the outline, 
I emphasize the word beginning. And we read from Matthew 19. The Lord said, in the beginning, it was not so. In the beginning, God arranged this concerning marriage. So the principle of recovery is for us to be brought back by the Lord to what God intended from the beginning. And because we are living in space and time, we can recognize that the beginning in history, when the Lord was here and the apostles were here and the Lord revealed the truth to them, we can say that was the beginning. But now I would like to point your attention to something prior to the beginning. And that is God's eternal action and decisions before he even created the angels and then created the universe. And the epistle to the Ephesians was written, spiritually speaking, from eternity, from the heavens. And in every chapter, the matter of love is clearly stated. Because love is the source of every positive thing. Chapter 1, verse 4. Referring to God the Father. Even as he chose us in him. Before the foundation of the world. To be holy. And without blemish. Before him. In love. To be all of us will stand before him. Without blemish. Perfect. In love, an eternal marriage, in this love. Then chapter 2, which describes a dreadful falling condition and the falling condition of all the unbelievers in Switzerland and everywhere else. Verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in offenses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We were dead in trespasses and sins. But because of his great love, God loved us. Then in chapter 3, Paul is praying that a marvelous prayer for spiritual experience. Then in verse 19, he says, And to know the knowledge surpassing love of God. 
Can you join me in saying this or thinking this? As we read these words, the knowledge surpassing love of God. Isn't there something in the saying, Lord, what is this? Knowledge surpassing love of God. We want to explore this. We want to go way beyond our limited knowledge. Then in chapter 4. I just mentioned this concerning okay, verses 15 and 16. But holding to truth in love, not just with the strong will, but in love. We may grow up into him in all things, who is the head, Christ. Out from whom all the body, being joined together and being knit together through every joint of the rich supply and through the operation in the measure of each one part, causes the growth of the body unto the building up of itself in love. And the Apostle John tells us so simply and directly, yet mysteriously, God is love. Love is the nature of God's essence. Love is the inner substance of God. The goal of the Lord's recovery, which equals the goal of God's purpose, is to build up the church as the body of Christ. The body builds itself up in love. Chapter 5, verse 2. Well, verse 1, it shows the love in the apostle's heart. Be therefore imitators of God as beloved children. We are all, right this very moment, Beloved children to our Father God and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Walk in love. It means our whole life is in this realm. We don't have two lives. One in the world at our job, or a different one in our own house, than another kind when we're with saints. One life, one walk, in love. And then we know how Paul went on to say, in verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Isn't this wonderful? We are in the church whom the Lord loved and gave himself up for her. I can't 
prove this, but it's been my personal feeling for some years concerning the word mentioned in Hebrews 12. When the Lord was on the cross, enduring the shame, then Paul refers to the joy set before him. When our Lord was suffering and dying on the cross for us, giving himself up for us, there was a joy set before him. As far as I know, we do not have an explicit, definite teaching in the New Testament that says in so many words, this is the joy. I personally believe it's his bride. He put this together with Ephesians 5. He loved her, gave himself up for her. And then the very last verse in the book. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in incorruptibility. You need to consult uh, the ministry, the chapter in book six of the elders training and the truths in Paul's epistles. In the chapter on Ephesians, there's a section on incorruptibility. And there's two main meetings here. It means we love the Lord in the kind of love revealed in the incorruptibility revealed throughout this epistle. And the nature of this love is incorruptible. It cannot be damaged. It's beyond human touch. And then... I want to go to First John, because this apostle, he didn't write these epistles until he was in his 90s. He had a mending ministry, as was mentioned in a previous message. And it took years, even decades, for this to reach its full development. And that's how it will be with some of the brothers and sisters among us. The Peters need to be in action earlier than the Pauls. But the Johns need to go through a lot in order to bring forth their portion. And I'll just read the verses from chapters 3 and 4 without comment. At least I don't intend to make a comment, but as the brother prayed, there is the anointing in the body, and I need to follow that. First John 3, 14 and 16, through 16. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother Brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And this we know love, that he laid down his life on our behalf. And we ought to lay down our lives on behalf 
of the brothers. Yeah, I do need to make a comment. According to the significance of Revelation 2 and 3, the church in Philadelphia signifies the recovered church. And the outstanding characteristic of the recovered church is in the very name Philadelphia, Phila, Philea, love. Delphia, the brothers. This is the characteristic. And please realize in the new creation, there are male and female brothers, just as there are female and male components of the bride. And that's the characteristic. Not super strength. Not colossal events. Not massive increase, but the love of the brothers, the faithfulness to the word, doing everything in the Lord's name. This is it. This is the essence. And the Lord laid down his soul life for us. And when we are in the very depth of the essence of the church life, We will know what it is. Believe me, I know whereof I speak. In love, we will lay down our lives for one another. This satisfies the desire of the Lord's heart. Then chapter 4, in two portions, first 7 through 11, and then 16 to 21. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. And everyone who loves has been begotten of God and knows God. He who does not love has not known God because God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested among us that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might have life and live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God has loved us in this way, we also ought to love one another. Verse 16. And we know and have believed the love which God has in us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. In this has love been perfected with us that we may have boldness in the day of the judgment of the judgment, because even as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has punishment, and he who fears has not been perfected in love. We love because 
he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God love his brother also. So we will consider life and building portrayed in Song of Songs. Life is the means organically based upon Christ's redemption. And the goal is the building, the corporate expression of God in Christ through the believers. And we read from Ephesians 4.16, the body builds itself up in love. This is the essence, my brothers and sisters, of the Lord's recovery. While we are passing through whatever stage of human life we're in, whatever our environment and circumstances may be, whatever our human needs and problems may be, we still faithfully press on in the church life together, practically, and then personally, are in the recovery inwardly, intrinsically, essentially, organically. Because we need to touch what God is. We need to know God as love. And Song of Songs is really not about the church directly. It's about our personal love relationship with our beloved Lord Jesus. But we will see when we go through the outline that this will issue in the building, the corporate expression. And now one last thing, and then I'll go through the outline. The time is good. I have 40 minutes remaining. And by the Lord's grace, I will not trespass and go beyond uh, the time allocated. But there's a verse that is of tremendous help. And I use the word tremendous deliberately. It's almost beyond measure. First John 4.19 We love because he first loved us. Please notice it doesn't say we love God because he first loved us. We love. The only way I and you can love God is that we know and experience God's love to us, for us. Then spontaneously, this love worked into us becomes our love for God. And it also becomes spontaneously our love for the brothers, for all the brothers and sisters. And we follow Paul's word in Ephesians, uh, sorry, Philippians 1. We have the same love for one another. 
There's no preference, no bias, no discrimination. Nothing like this. We love every kind of person, every race, nationality, cultures, whatever it is. You're a human. You're a believer. We love you because. Now, how can we live out and experience verse 19? In verse 16, it said, we know and have believed the love that God has in us. How can we know? Let me mention three verses and we come to the key verse that I believe at least some of us, if not all of us, need wherever we are right now. In John 3.16, we're told God so loved the world, the whole human race, he loved the world. So we may think, well, there are 7 billion people on the earth. I'm one of them. So he loves the world, all the people. So I guess he loves me. I'm included. But that's kind of remote. Then we turn to Ephesians 5, the verse we read. Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her. Well, I'm in the church. I'm a member of the body. I'm a believer. I am one with the church. So, therefore, I conclude by reasoning, by logic, he must love me. But that does not bring us into the love that's in Song of Songs. We need another verse, a very familiar verse. Please listen. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. My dear, beloved, precious brothers and sisters, we all need a fresh realization of the last part of Galatians 2.20. Yes, you took away the sins of the world. You died for all of us. You gave yourself up for the church. But Paul is the pattern. He, want, he wants us to realize and deeply realize. Lord, when you died, you died for me. You gave yourself up for me. You bore my sins. I do not have words now as I'm trying my best to communicate this to you. The depth of the feeling within me as I'm trying to share this is beyond description. We just need this. We need to know what this love is. And once we begin 
and then continue on our journey through Song of Songs. This love will issue in experience after experience after experience of the all-inclusive Christ until we reach maturity and bear the name Shulamite, the counterpart of Solomon, the reproduction of Christ, his match, his bride, for whom he is coming. And we believe coming soon. So all of this now opens the way for message three. Demands and legalities on any saints. But I just suggest that um, you read through Song of Songs as soon as your situation allows. Just eight chapters. You might read it through in half an hour. But those that are older and their eyes can kind of get worn out, you may want to read it in twos or four chapters. But please read it again in the light of what we're sharing. And what's happened to my screen? I don't know what's happened. Ron, your internet connection is in here. Um, that we're back now. So life and building go together. They're really in a cycle. The more we experience Christ as life, the more this life builds, the more we're built up, the more we experience life. Okay, the sub points under A. Life is the content. And building is the corporate expression of the content. God's goal is the building. Life is the procedure by which God obtains the building. And life maintains the building. So receiving life and experiencing life is mainly a personal matter. And for the benefit of the church, we should be daily receiving the divine dispensing of the divine life because this life is the procedure by which God obtains the building. And then as the Lord indicated to the church in Philadelphia, you need to maintain what you have, the building must be maintained. So this is so simple. But in many ways, our life is simple. Breathing is effortless. I I need a sip of water. It's so simple to take something in. My wife prepares these healthy meals, so beneficial, so enjoyable, effortless. 
And then there's the law of life in the body that causes the body to digest and assimilate this issues in growth and function. The goal is the building. Three, life is God himself. And building is the expression of the triune God as life in a corporate body. So again, life is God himself. The Lord Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the building is the corporate expression of the triune God. In the English translation at each, at least, there is a verse in the New Testament in which there are three words that testify the essence of the Lord's recovery. Colossians 3, 4, Christ, our life. Christ. That's the all-inclusive, extensive Christ in Colossians. This Christ is life. This person is life. Life is not a thing, not an element, not a substance. It is Christ himself. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And so we want this Christ to be life, then it's our life. Our involves the whole body of Christ, the entire one new man, all the believers. Christ, our life. It may be some time when we have a positive conversation with a seeking Christian or an open person that we have a proper relationship with, say, in our job or neighborhood, a kind of friendship, they may say, then what What? what do you believe in? What, what do you stand for when you say you're the church in, in Zurich? I mean, you don't have any name. What's your, what's part of it? Christ, our life. I just love these three words. Christ, our life. I'm illustrating now, I'm not promoting something, but there are certain countries that I've had often visited. I have to be careful if I make any suggestion like, oh, this verse or this statement in the ministry might really look good on the t-shirt. And once I said in a message in a certain place, I quoted Brother Lee, the Lord's recovery is to build up Zion. And shortly afterwards, they gave me a t-shirt that said on the front, the Lord's recovery is to build up Zion. So I'm just illustrating. It would be, might be quite a testimony. You know, you're exercising somewhere, you have a t-shirt, and it just says, Christ, our life. Well, I'm not suggesting we all wear these kind of t-shirts or have a banner, but this should be written on our being, Christ our life. Okay, point B, the Lord's recovery is the recovery of life and building for us to be built up as the body. Isn't this a helpful definition of the Lord's recovery? 
the recovery of life and building for us. This is not just something in the so-called heaven in the future. It's for us to be built up as the body. See the, the kernel of the divine revelation in the scriptures is that God created us and redeemed us for the purpose of working himself into us to be our life for his corporate expression. Again, just such a clear statement. We know why God created us. You might want to ask a, a friend, maybe a gospel friend, over coffee or, or tea or Swiss cheese. Is there such a thing? Anyway, you're just having a conversation and you just say, uh, have you ever thought why you exist? Or why you're here or how you got here? Uh, or why God created us? And the one may say, I well, I thought about it, but then I had no idea. I'm just here trying to stay alive. What about you? Well, I've learned from the Bible the reason. God created us for his purpose. And I'm a sinner saved by grace, by the Lord's death on the cross. That's redemption. He did this. For his purpose. Now what is his purpose? He wants to work himself into us as life. For his corporate expression. This is not just the essence of the Lord's recovery. This is the meaning of our existence. This is why I'm still here. My journey's not yet finished. The Lord knows when and if it will be. I'm hoping it will end in rapture. Why not have Christ in us, the hope of glory? Why not? Amen. This is what we live for. In the midst of all our human situations, living a normal human life, but this is the purpose. In 2 Timothy 1.9, Paul told Timothy, God saved us and called us not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. We were saved by God for his purpose. Then in chapter 3, when he's encouraging Timothy by reminding him, you closely followed my teaching, you closely followed this, then he said, you closely followed my purpose. Well, that purpose and my purpose are the same purpose. When Paul said my purpose, that means God's purpose became his purpose. And maybe just as an illustration, in the Lord, by his mercy and in his presence and in oneness with him, I can look with affection and care to all of you and say God's purpose is my purpose. I give messages in person or on Zoom 
for God's purpose. We all can say this. You matter to God. He created you in a particular way. He redeemed you at the cost of his son. Now you have a portion that no one else has. No one in the whole universe. The body needs your portion, your experience, your measure, your function. We're all here for God's purpose. Then I reread Psalm 2 and go up, not Psalm 2, Roman numeral 2, and then go on. And the time is good. We'll finish in a proper way. The subject of Song of Songs is loving the Lord to experience him as life for the building up of his body, the bride. You could say this is a definition of our purpose according to Song of Songs. We love the Lord. You ever considered it begins and ends with a kiss, Song of Songs? Chapter 1, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Have you ever prayed that? When was the last time? This to tell the Lord afresh. Even now in your heart. Lord. I love you Lord. Because. I love the church. Because. I love my brothers and sisters. Because. I love lost human beings because, because he loved us. And this love opens the way for the experiences, stage after stage. The lover begins, the Lord says, oh, my love, you're like a mare, you're like an Egyptian mare, female horse and she wasn't crying she wasn't offended because this is a word of love and words in love you can impart anything if the love is pure then Lady says oh hi Lily you're a Lily we're growing we have the experience as life And the life grows in us to make us a full-grown man, the counterpart of Christ, for the building up of his body, the bride. First the body, then the bride. Adam needed a counterpart, a human being to match him. So first God took a bone and built up a human body, a female with a body. That signifies the church as the body of Christ. When she was presented to Adam, she became his counterpart. Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I'm waiting for that day for the Lord to look upon his bride and say, finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Point three, in Song of Songs, Tirzah and Jerusalem, two cities, 
signify God's sanctuary, God's dwelling place, with God's holy city surrounding it to be its safeguard. And so the Lord, the loved one, the beloved, says to her, my love, you're as beautiful as Tirzah, as lovely as Jerusalem. You're just a, a beautiful dwelling place. And you're terrifying to the enemy. Well, this is a preparation for Revelation 19. To the Lord will be his bride. To the enemy, we will be the bridal army. A, when the overcoming lover of Christ becomes one with God to be God's dwelling place. In the eyes of God, she is as beautiful as Tirzah and as lovely as Jerusalem. The Lord is making each one of us part of his dwelling place. Through her living in Christ's ascension in resurrection, the lover of Christ becomes mature in the riches of the life of Christ so that she becomes the building of God the sanctuary of God and its safeguard. The prayer in Ephesians 3 concerning our inner man and Christ making his home in our heart, that word for home, making home, is the word for house, oikos. He is building himself into us as the dwelling place. And at the same time, he's building us into himself for him to be our dwelling place. That's what the new Jerusalem will be. For God, the holy city, the bride, will be the tabernacle. For the bride, the wife, the God, the God of redemption will be the temple. We will mutually dwell in each other forever. So you will all learn. Don't, don't panic. Just come to the Lord as you are and where you are. Before too long, you'll be in chapter six. The Lord will indicate to you, you're now a city. You're a building. I've been working myself into you. Now I, I'm at home in you. John 14, 23. If you love me, you'll keep my words. The Father will come to him and I will come with him to make an abode with you. This building process is taking place even as we're meeting here. See, the lover of Christ lives in the Holy of Holies, the inner chamber of the heavenly sanctuary within the veil, experiencing the ascension of Christ through the cross after her experience of his resurrection. So to try to simplify this, we enter into and live in the Holy of Holies, 
The whole new Jerusalem is the holy of holies. Please remember the city of Jerusalem is a person, the bride, the wife. D, by loving the Lord with the best love, we are incorporated into the triune God to become his dwelling place. It is the love in God that gives him the yearning to unite, mingle, and incorporate with us. And it is the same love in us that gives us the yearning to unite, mingle, and incorporate with him. Then the verses from First John 4. God is the source. There's a love in him that gives him a yearning, a deep longing to make himself one with us. And because he loves us in this way, we also realize there's a yearning in us to unite, mingle, and incorporate with God. We all will experience this. This sense will increase more and more. I believe it's in you right now. It may be surfacing right now as we're meeting. This yearning in God over his people in Switzerland. How he loves them. How he loves those who are yet chosen, but yet have been called. They need to be reached and baptized into the triune God and brought into the church. And we sense this yearning in God and also the yearning in us. Then our time with the Lord will not be formal anymore. No more rituals. No more legalities. It's like in a truly loving married life, a love that's growing. The affection, the intimacy, the the tenderness, the capacity to lay down your life for the other. It just grows spontaneously. Because there's this mutual yearning. Roman 4, we become God's dwelling place, his sanctuary, but by participating in the four stages of the divine romance revealed in Song of Songs. A, to become the sanctuary of God is to be built up, related to the building up of the body of Christ, in the growth in the life of Christ with its unsearchable riches unto maturity. You consult the recovery version and the outline in the notes of Song of Songs. You'll have a clear definition of the stages that the seeker goes through. One, in the Old Testament, the building of God is typified by Tirzah, and Jerusalem. In the New Testament, the building is the organic body of Christ. This is the goal of the Lord's recovery throughout the earth. And this was the goal of Brother Lee's ministry in the last few years of his life with us. Starting 
especially in 1989, with those turmoils in Europe and in the United States, especially. And there was so much suffering and damage and wounds and discouragement. Brother Lee ministered again and again the reality of the body of Christ. Blending, genuine blending, brings us into the reality of the body of Christ. And in a meeting with leading brothers in Canada, those meetings are in a little booklet on the problems causing, you know, the source of the problems in the Lord's recovery. Brother Lee pointed out, all problems come from not knowing the body, not caring for the body, not honoring the body, not doing what is best for the body. In Europe, for a long period of time, there was an exceedingly capable brother. He remains our beloved brother, no doubt, who was able to do a significant work But eventually, his dishonoring the body, ignoring the body, not caring for the body, caused the damage. And what the Lord needs throughout his recovery are not only leading brothers who know the body, in a sense even more, sisters who know the body. Because sisters... You are deeper than brothers. You have the capacity to love the Lord more. We need to learn from you. You are experiential by nature. When you really know the body, you become channels of life into the body, no matter what you're doing. You may be ironing. You may be reading a book to your child. You may be on your job. But inwardly, this is your life. You are Tirza. You are Jerusalem. Two, ultimately, this building up of the organic body of Christ, which is also Christ's life, wife, will consummate in the new Jerusalem, the holy city, as the consummation of the holy of holies, the mutual dwelling of God and his redeemed in eternity. I gave messages on this in Barlow slightly over a year ago. And I remember the message released on the Lord's Day morning because of the audience was just wonderful. The drawing out capacity of those several hundred saints there in Europe. greatest experience anywhere. Work together in that meeting. Release the name of God, the name of the city of God, the new Jerusalem, the Lord's new name. This means they are constituted with the process and consummated triune God. They became the New Jerusalem, while they were Philadelphia. 
So they are ready for the Lord to come back. When they're raptured, they will be the bride. Now the last section in three minutes. Through the dealing of the cross, we become the sanctuary of God. This sanctuary is the holiest of all, which is God himself. Yes, the dealing of the cross. It will get deeper and deeper. I'd like to share to you. There's nothing to fear. What we should really fear is the undealt with self in us, the flesh, the natural constitution. God solves all problems by the cross. It's a wonderful, marvelous blessing for us now to have the opportunity before we stand before the Son of Man to experience the dealing of the cross, to deal with every factor or element in our being that's hindering us so that life can flow and build up the body of Christ, the bride. When we enter into the Holy of Holies, we enter into God and become the sanctuary because we become God in life and nature. Married brothers, is not your spouse, your wife, the same as you in life and nature? Of course. What could be more obvious? The Lord is our husband-to-be, our bridegroom. We'll be his counterpart. Of course, we have to be the same as he is in life and nature. But he happens to be God in the Godhead, and we are not and never will be. 2 John 14.23 and Ephesians 3.17 prove that the God whom we are pursuing is making us his duplication. For God to make us his duplication means that he makes us his dwelling place, his holy of holies. Oh, this is, uh, we want to open our life, ourselves personally to the Lord Lord, build yourself into me. Make me your duplication for the bride. Finally, the lovers of Christ eventually become duplications of God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. This is the fulfillment of God becoming man, that man might become God, the high peak of the divine revelation. So we begin by loving the Lord. And we consummate on the high peak of the divine revelation. The same as God in life and nature and constitution and expression, but not in the Godhead. Finally, we are becoming his counterpart, his match. For whom the bridegroom is coming. I just want to pray again. Dear Lord, come, Lord Jesus. Come, come for her, come for your bride. Amen. Praise the Lord for such a sweet, encouraging word that draws us to love the Lord. 